You're getting the most out of being at a game with American Express. The card member entrance, the lounge, and out tip off. See how to elevate your live sports experience at AmericanExpress.com slash with Amex. Don't live life without it. Eligible American Express card required. Benefits vary by card and by venue. Terms apply. When you're an American Express Platinum card member, don't be surprised if you say things like, Chef, what course are we on? I've, I've lost count. Or, Shoot that, shoot that! And even, Checkout's not until 4, so... Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants, elevated experiences at live events, and 4 p.m. late checkout at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. See how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Don't live life without it. Terms apply. Coming up on episode 67 of the Hangtime Podcast. We promised Lang if the Hawks played well, we'd yap about him, and they obliged. As Hawks VP of PR, Arthur Trish joins to discuss the Hawks and 20 years of covering the NBA. All that, plus how many Twitter fees does one man need? Coming up on... Welcome to this week's play-by-play of the Hang Time Podcast. Joining us now is Houston Rockets head coach Kevin McHale. i tell you what, for Vikings fans... Green Bay playing the Bears is like, do you want to get hung or do you want to get shot? With your host, Galliop Anderson, stops it now behind his head. Seku Smith and Lang Whitaker. The NBA's Executive Vice President of Basketball Operations, Stu Jackson, is joining us now on the podcast. I wanted to ask you, Stu, the players see you coming, do they get out of the way now? No, the worst thing that happened to me was uh, caller ID. Sports editor of the nation, Dave Zyron. Only the Knicks for $100 million would sign somebody with one eye and two microfracture surgeries. But shut my mouth. He's our most important New York Jew since Woody Allen. Now it's time for the tip-off. Greetings. Greetings. Greetings, everyone. Seku Smith from the Hangtime blog at NBA.com. Lang Whitaker. Mike hard Jarrell in the booth. Well, we're, we're going to talk about the Hawks. Something kind of vicious today with uh, Arthur Trish. Vice President of Public Relations for the Hawks, good friend of ours, uh, hater extraordinaire sometimes, <laughs> but also one of the best dudes we both know, obviously. Uh, Art, welcome to uh, the Hangtime Podcast. Uh, long time, long time coming. Yeah, as long as I, it's great to be with you guys today. I uh, look forward to talking Hawks, I guess, because you couldn't pay anybody else. You had to go with me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you were the most cost-effective guest we could find us with. Yeah, it, uh, <laughs> and uh, later today I'll be on uh, 75 holding up a sign, we'll work for food since I had to shell out $385 before coming here this morning, but that's another story. Yeah. Well, why, why do you have to spend some money, Art? Uh, let's just say my 4-1 road trip and my team's performance was deflated quickly and deflated in every sense of the word. <laughs> was it um, deflated faster than your tire was? Very much so. <laughs> and let's just say, uh, if you don't have AAA, take it from me. You better get AAA because uh, I'm not calling them at 2 o'clock in the morning, but they were there first thing at 10 o'clock this morning. Art, do you not have uh, privileges with the rookies that you can't make them take care exactly. of that? Exactly. Who You think I'm going to tell Ivan Johnson something? Are you crazy? <laughs> I value my life. <laughs> I have no desire to get into it, but I've been terrible. So you, uh, I mean, you, you obviously made it here safely. Uh, four on one road trip for the Hawks, yes. who are playing fantastic, by the way. Um, I, me- I mentioned this morning on the Hangtime blog. Joe Johnson is a man of his word. Mm-hmm. He uh, a few weeks ago he said that this was an elite team, and that you know they'd be fine without Al Horford. Guys would step up. Sixteen and six so far. Uh, the Grizzlies coming to town this week. You know, big week on tap, obviously. The Grizzlies coming to town Thursday night. Philadelphia 76ers in here on Saturday night. What mm-hmm. what stuck out to you about this team, Art, uh, since Al went down? I mean, what's who has been the guy or who have been the guys that have stepped up or done something different to keep this team rocking? Well, obviously, uh, it's uh, Joe and Josh have carried us over this stretch. But uh, I think contributions from uh, everybody on the team has certainly paid off. We got Kirk Heinrich back. Uh, who missed uh, the Chicago series in the first what, 12 to 13 games of the season. And Kirk has uh, stepped in, and even though he's been winded in a few of those games, he's come in and given some quality backup minutes. And uh, we have that flexibility now of having him, inserting him in the starting lineup if we need to, if uh, Jeff Teague looks to falter. I mean, Jeff had a great game on that, on that trip as well. And Je- uh, last night, Joe was tremendous. I mean, he had 30 points. In uh, just three quarters of action, 24 in the first half and 24 minutes, and uh, he abused 
uh, the guy who was guarding him, whose name escapes me right now. But uh, obviously there was no need to remember his name. Uh, but uh, Joe lit him up time and time again. And uh, that was the best game of uh, the, the trip for him because he had gotten off to slow starts in each of the first quarters uh, for most of that, that week-long trip. But uh, last night, I guess he was ready to get home and, and uh, soak his, uh, put some ice bags on his knees early last night because he made the uh, Raptors pay and pay dearly, and hopefully that is the, the type of effort we'll get from him for the rest of the year. But uh, I think we've gotten great contributions from a lot of the guys. I mean, Ivan Johnson has been a, a nice find for us. Uh, Vlad, uh, Vladimir Rodmanovic has also uh, assisted well coming off the bench, and guys like Pargo, Stackhouse, uh, my main man Zaza Pachulia has now been inserted into the starting lineup, and he's uh, showing flashes of uh, skills he hadn't shown us in <laughs> about four or five years. <laughs> and I guess somebody decided to go asleep on that note. <laughs> but, uh, but, uh, Sorry, they're still talking? Oh, uh, yeah, we're getting the propaganda speech right now from Captain Hawks here. Go well, tell us about the entire roster and how great they are. Huh? Well, I'm going to have Zaza head but each of you uh, for clowning on uh, my stature. Right but, uh, we're, but we're playing well right now. But uh, as, as t- uh, Kenny Gattis and I spoke in New Orleans a couple of days ago before we left, and the one thing he made mention of, he said, look, uh, we've played the JV portion of the schedule, so now the yeah. big boys start right. to come into town right. this week. So Some, we, Someone we asked me on Twitter last night, they were like, you know, 9-2 and two without Horford's great, mm-hmm. but how much of that is the schedule? Well, I, I think it's part of it. Yeah, it's it's some of it, and but I think people need to accept uh, the reality for what it is. I mean, yeah, hell, if we had gone two and nine, we'd be hearing about it. And yeah. uh, it, it, you can't win in this day and age. It's like, uh, what do they want? Eleven and zero, or do, yeah. they, do they want a five and six split? I mean, I think I'd take nine and two and be happy with it right now. Thing yeah. I, to me, like watching this Hawks team versus uh, previous editions is. They are they're beating the teams they're supposed to, mm-hmm. and they're beating them handily. I mean, mm-hmm. seeing Joe Johnson sit out, you know, the fourth quarter last night, that's where I feel like the big difference has been. They always in the past seem to have sort of played to the level of the competition. It seems like they're taking taking care of business more this year. Uh, great depth uh, is the key to that, and I guess um, uh, we have to be thankful that we've got some quality veterans on the roster. I mean. Uh, Sicko and I were talking the other day, and I mentioned to him about Jerry Stackhouse. While he has not played a lot of games, nine to be in fact, uh, he's a tremendous influence in our locker room. And uh, I'm, I'm glad he's around because he's that veteran leader that you need who can talk to guys in a rational manner, doesn't have to get in their faces and scream and yell. Although he, uh, I had to tell him after about his second week here, uh, he made me smile years ago when he delivered the best right hand to Christian Leitner that I, that I heard about. <laughs> Uh, given the aggravation that late put me through when he was here, I loved every minute of that. So uh, he was like, yeah, quite a few people around here have mentioned that to me. <laughs> so, yeah, count me in uh, uh, with a group. But uh, how come? Well, how come the Hawks never – like this is the first year they've had so many veteran guys like that. Well, you know, they, it's not like they spent a lot to get them. It's just did they, yeah. is there like a change in philosophy to go get them? Yeah, because um, let's, be, let's keep it real now. Yeah. Nobody was – dancing up Peachtree when they heard Tracy McGrady mm-hmm. and Willie Green and these cats were signed. Yeah, very much so. I mean, because uh, as the the fellows in the barbershop asked, <laughs> are we getting T-Mac or are we getting Tracy McGrady? <laughs> so, I said, like, well, we're just going to have to wait and see. But uh, uh, for him to step up like he did last night, uh, maybe he had a little bit of incentive uh, playing back in the T-Dot because as soon as he was introduced, yeah. uh, here come the booze. And so uh, he made him uh, – uh, pay for that and and delivered. I think it was fifteen or sixteen points. I didn't even know he could uh, still dunk. I saw him dunk, and I was like, "What yeah. in the world?" I, yeah. uh, I think he's got a little. Uh, he still has a few skills to just put on display. And so, <laughs> um, but we, I, I think we're we're pleased with the fact that we were able to get a lot of these guys. Some people might say, "Well, you got them on the cheap," but they were they were willing to come here and play, and they could have gone elsewhere, obviously. And uh, Rick Sund and Dave Pendergraf and those, and our basketball operations crew. They did a pretty good job in, in supplying Larry Drew with a, a significant bench, probably our deepest bench in a number of years, probably in all my years of being here, uh, not since the days of uh, Mookie Blaylock and uh, Dikembe and Steve Smith have we had a bench this deep. Well, I mean, are you, you've been around, what, this is your 23rd year with the Hawks? 23. I mean, so clearly. Just call me MJ. Yeah, I'll say you got the iPad in front of you. <laughs> Back when you started out, I'm assuming you had that. Uh, <laughs> Mimeograph that, machine. Yeah, that. uh <laughs> 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 you had that stone and tablet back when you started out. So, I mean, <laughs> but w- from the from the back of that plane, night after night, and I know you've been on thousands of flights over the years with this team, the goings on with this team and the, the fabric of this team behind the scenes. I think these guys 
uh, really get along better than any of the teams we've had in recent years. And that's not to say we had any problems with guys, but um, when you, uh, especially uh, Mike Woodson's early years, when you have uh, and and Terry Stotts's. Uh, couple of years with us when you had a revolving door of players coming and going you can't develop any kind of camaraderie um, amongst yourselves and I think these guys try to take advantage of going out with each other from time to time uh, and uh, uh, they're playing cards on the plane they're uh, hanging out going to movies and what have you and talking to various uh, sports teams and and making a few wagers here and there so uh, and they're willing to, to pass the ball uh, and and get uh, get everybody else involved. And if if somebody's having an off night, uh, they're rallying around uh, their teammates to make sure that they're keeping themselves in the game, but also pumping them up to do well. As, uh, in addition to that, the other night you said you uh, hold on one second, one second, Lang. The other night you said you were uh, where were you at? Oh, we Milwaukee. Talked, and you said Milwaukee. you saw Joe and Vladimir and Manovic and Zaza somewhere. Like you were out, uh, maybe in San Antonio. Oh, San Antonio. And you said you yeah, saw them on a the river walk. Yeah, on a river walk. Like. Yeah. Now, the years I was covering the team, I don't ever remember seeing Joe and Zaza anywhere together but the locker room or the court. Mm-hmm. Have the relationships of those core guys who have been here for the last five, has, have those relationships changed in terms of Josh, Marvin, Joe, uh, you know, Al Horford? Mm-hmm. Uh, have those guys grown closer over the years? I, I, wouldn't, I don't know if I'd necessarily say it's changed. I, would, I, I like to think that they've matured. Uh, it's a constant a maturation process with each of them because – uh, you and I were around Josh when we first brought him to this team, and he was 18 years old. And uh, I think it's safe to say he was immature. All right, now. But Josh, I view Josh as a son of mine because uh, Brandon, my son, is only 22 years old. And so, Third world. Uh, <laughs> and so uh, watching him develop and grow in this business and become the professional that he is and become the man that he is, I'm proud to see what he's – been able to accomplish so I think a lot of that is just uh, growing as a unit and uh, I think most uh, teams that have the ability to get to deep into the playoffs or to the championship round you have to have a lot of those core guys stick together and so it was disappointing that we went out in the second round of last last year's playoffs because I think uh, in all of the years I've been here if we had won game and we should have won game five uh, as far as I'm concerned if we had won that game in the fourth quarter after having uh, retaken the lead from Chicago game six would have been off the chain uh, at, at Phillips Arena and it would have been similar to that Boston L- uh, Atlanta series before I got to town uh, back in the 80s and I would have uh, it that that cut deep and it hurt and I think it hurt all of them and it was interesting in some of the comments this past summer where they, they claim that there are no more excuses. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so let's hold their feet to the fire for that. And they should know that missing 15 free throws against Miami, and uh, that costs you a game, or 11 against Chicago, that costs you a game. Our record could be 18 and, and four, easy. Uh, mm-hmm. Obviously, you'll have some games that you should lose. I mean, we probably should have lost the game in Detroit last week. Mm-hmm. But they showed some resiliency and – fighting through the end, and maybe, thankfully, because Detroit didn't make a foul when they should have, uh, Joe was able to, to hit the, the game-tying shot that sent it, sent it into overtime, and we put him away uh, in the overtime period. So I think the best is yet to come with this team. I think there's still some questions because some people want to indicate that we haven't played uh, maybe the NBA's best, but uh, that first week of the season, we had them rolling in here uh, with Miami and Chicago twice in one week, and we should have gone undefeated, in my opinion. And so... Uh, I think this team is a lot better than people are giving them credit for, and I know a lot of fans around and maybe some of the employees within the company uh, are a little bothered by the fact that we don't get as much attention uh, from the national media yet, and some of that is some of that is due to the fact that we're talking football right now. That's uh, mostly your fault, right? <laughs> <laughs> Look here, man, I've got skills. I make things happen. Uh, but uh, uh, once, once uh, the NFL season is out of the way next week and – uh, the the attention of the world shifts to basketball. If we're continuing to play like we are, uh, we'll get the attention. It'll happen. Uh, I thought, you know, I th- watching that game last night, the thing that really jumped out at me, and I can't remember seeing this in the last five or six years, was um, not only sharing the ball, but it was almost to a fault. There was two or three times where they passed it too much, right? And it almost and used up the shot clock. Had some shot clock violations in the first half, um, and to me, that kind of spoke a lot to. Not only the maturation of Josh and Joe, the way Zaza's playing in there, but Teague really, mm-hmm. to me, is kind of 
gives this team a whole new dimension that they haven't had in the last couple of years. Yeah, uh, a quality point guard. <laughs> uh, well, also that he cha- you know, he he's going to push the tempo sometimes, right. and he's going to have a one man fast break. And that's something, you know, he drives to the rim hard, gets fouled. That's something they have, we haven't had in a long time. We haven't had since Mookie Blaylock uh, was here. Yeah. And while he's not the defender uh, that Mookie uh, was back right. then, um, maybe, uh, once again, you're talking about a guy who's only been in the league three years. Maybe he will grow into that position and be a point guard we will have around here for 10, 12 years or so. But uh, Jeff's a very unassuming kid, and it's it's funny to, to watch him in that position because – he doesn't really give off a whole lot of emotion as well. And albeit last night it was funny, uh, during uh, media availability, uh, somehow the topic of, of Joe showing some excitement came up. It was, <laughs> it was between uh, Joe, Jeff Teague, uh, myself, and I forget who else was in the locker room. It might have been Willie Green. Were you and, guys talking about rare things? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Ninth wonders and, of the world. And uh, <laughs> JT was uh, was mentioning, man, you got to get into it, man. You got to show some emotion and this, that, and the other. And Joe <laughs> uh, didn't really show any emotion with his <laughs> response, but he he goes, I'll show you some, I'll show you some uh, emotion. You let us get to the finals. I'll act a fool every game. <laughs> so uh, let's let's hope it doesn't take just that, uh, because I told him, I said, dude, I said I've been meaning to tell you this since uh, the Orlando series last year that typifies how uh, the lack of emotion that you shows kind of comes across in a negative vein to people. Jamal Crawford hit the game-winning shot. Uh, I, f- I forget which game it was here in Atlanta uh, that banked in to, to win a game against the Magic. And the yeah. front page of the AJC had a photo, widescreen photo of Jamal pulling his jersey where it says Hawks. And Joe's standing to the uh, left of Jamal in the photo, and he is showing no emotion whatsoever, no fist pump, no <laughs> arms in the air, no yeah, uh, anything. And he just kind of looked at me like, yeah. <laughs> and that's, that's Joe. I mean, I would love for him to explode on somebody after hitting a shot or even like uh, tying up the game against um, uh, Detroit last week. But it's just not him. And let's hope we get to the, the, the finals one of these days so he can, in fact, show us all of that pent-up emotion that he has inside of him and that it, it, that it comes out. <laughs> I've also, you know, Marv has played pretty well this year too. And I know people always bring up the, the draft. Mm-hmm. and uh, mm-hmm. But I, I was – I think it was in the game story from last night's game. He's, they were talking about the Hawks haven't had a, a that good a record on a five-game road trip in however long it's been. 1968. Yeah, Marv <laughs> said, I wouldn't know about that. I'm only 25. <laughs> But I, could, I mean, I, I that reminded me that he's still a kid, yeah. you know. Like, I mean, he's the age of some guys who maybe two years, three years out of college. And but, uh, he's been around so long. I think you kind of, and he's taken so many hits in this whole thing that they should have had Chris Paul. That mm-hmm. I think you kind of overlook him a little bit. Yeah, I think uh, you're right. I, one of the things that Rick constantly says is uh, he was the number two pick in the draft, and. At the time, he was the number two pick in the draft on everybody's – or number one on, on a lot of people's boards. Right. So it wasn't like uh, it was um, – you were doing the wrong thing at the time. While we needed a point guard and probably should have uh, drafted one of the two that we had in here working out uh, that particular year. Dan uh, Williams uh, uh, Chris and Chris Paul. Yeah. And uh, uh, we were all at the workouts, and even though – I may have called uh, Darren um, Duran several times, uh, and he would let me know after every time no I said it. No wonder he didn't want to come in. <laughs> he would let me know after every time I said it, it's Darren. Uh, and we get along fine to this day. But uh, we clearly should have had one of those two guys. But then when you think about the fact that Andrew Bogut was the number one pick, I mean, look at his career over the last three or four years. I mean, he's getting injured at every turn, and hopefully he can stay healthy for the rest of his career. Now, but now he's out with a broken broken ankle. I mean, Marvin has had his injury bug issues as well and had surgery this past offseason on his back and it claims he's at his best uh, of any of the years he's been in the NBA, and he certainly is. He's playing that way. Yeah, yeah I mean, he doesn't have the duck walk anymore, and uh, <laughs> we don't have to call him Fred Sanford either. Uh, so <laughs> uh, he, uh, I guess he's now Lamont, but uh, he, gets a, he gets a chance to move around a little bit more, and, and he's not – what I think a lot of people don't understand is, even though he was the number one, number two pick in the draft, uh, Marvin has never been the one, two, or three option on this team. Right. So it's not like he's going to get a lot of touches and he's got to take advantage of those that he gets. Uh, but I think where he's certainly done a really good job this year is with his rebounding. Um, I'm not sure what he's at, even though I have these numbers right in front of me. He's averaging close to six rebounds a game. 
and that may be pushing a career high for him. So he's getting inside and mixing it up and uh, showing his ability to be active on both ends of the floor. So I think he's having a pretty good year. How how happy are you that Twitter was not around when Billy Knight was the general manager of the Atlanta Hawks? <laughs> or when J.R. Ryder was around. When, uh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, like, the the, tech, the technology has changed so much. I mean, we joked about it earlier, but mm-hmm. it really has. I mean, for a PR director in the league, and, and you, I mean, are, you may have to explain to some people exactly what being the vice president of public relations for an NBA team entails, but, I mean, how tough is it doing your job now compared to what it was like 23 years ago in terms of managing not only the team's public rela- you know, relations department and the aspects of you know how you communicate with the media and the fans, but managing players. Yeah. I mean, keep, keeping Jeff Teague off Twitter or whoever off Twitter you know, before a game and saying something crazy. Mm-hmm. It, it has become a lot more involved in terms of being aware of what's out there. Uh, obviously, 23 years ago when I came to the league, we didn't have Facebook, we didn't have MySpace, Twitter, uh, you still got a MySpace LinkedIn, page? No. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and a lot of those things didn't exist. And basically you were dealing with picking up the phone, uh, which is, seems archaic nowadays, yeah. and not even sending emails no. uh, yeah. around. And, uh, I mean, I, everybody thought beeper, having a beeper was uh, <laughs> you, made you a drug dealer. And, and, and uh, now it's uh, cell phones a galore. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. <that's> <laughs> <it>. <laughs> uh, but now it's – you, you, in our profession, you have to be mindful of what's going on out there and what your players are doing on a constant basis. Now, uh, going back to like the the poli- uh, political world and the three o'clock a.m. phone call. Thankfully, I don't have to worry about that, and haven't had to worry about that for a number of years. And our guys have been very responsible in keeping themselves off of the police blotter or uh, incidents of that sort. But I have two active Twitter accounts because I want to know what my guys are doing and what they're up to. And if they're involved with uh, speaking on Twitter or uh, communicating with others, that it doesn't become hostile, that it always uh, remains congenial between them and the people they're talking to and and promoting the product and uh, building their brand as well as much as they possibly can. Well, Uh, luckily, you're on Twitter more than any of them are. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, I am a Twittering fool. I will admit that. And uh, you can find me at A.T. Hudat or Hawks PR guy. You got the record for PR <laughs> for PR people in the league, I think. Well, too, yeah, because Mike Mike Preston, uh, my counterpart with the Sixers, when we were up there last week, uh, I told him before the game, "All right, you better get your Twitter on because I'm ready to go." <laughs> and he's like, "Man, I can't keep up with you, so leave me alone." <laughs> and I look at it as uh, a way for me to to stay involved in the game and to keep my mouth shut while I'm over there on the <laughs> scorers table because we're supposed to be professional and not yelling and screaming at the officials as well, like the coaches. I've never gotten a technical, and I don't plan to. Uh, I don't need uh, uh, DJ Stern in my pocket. Uh, but um, uh, it, uh, it it allows me to talk about what's going on with the team and the progress of a, each game, statistical information, and my thoughts on uh, how the guys are doing, and just provide some tidbits that maybe they don't hear from the, the TV or radio broadcast or otherwise wouldn't wouldn't have known unless they looked at our game notes or what have you. And so I like it. I mean, I know a lot of people in our profession hate it, uh, mm-hmm. But I enjoy it because I, I – this was – before getting into sports PR, my desired profession was to become a sports broadcaster. Mm-hmm. And that never happened primarily because I was a basketball manager at Tulane uh, while I was in school, and that paid the freight for me to go to school. Right. If I was going to do an internship with a TV station, I would have had to come out of pocket to pay for my college education. Right. Uh, pay for school now, pay for school later. Right. It was an easy decision. <laughs> so I've never gotten a chance to do – uh, the the job I really wanted to do. I don't have any regrets about it because this has kind of kept me on uh, uh, both sides of the fence, so to speak. And uh, but I wish I would have at least done it once Just to, to see, at least yeah. to see how yeah. things would have turned out. Because the guys I looked looked at when I was growing up were uh, Brian Gumble and Jim McKay. Obviously Brian because he looks like me. Uh, or, or at least had the apparel like I, I was did gonna back say, yeah, in the day. You, y'all used uh, to look like when you both had hair. Brian <laughs> <laughs> is a uh, lone ranger right now. So. <laughs> and, and Jim McKay, because of I was a big Olympics guy, and I, the 72 Olympics always stood out to me by the grace and the manner in which he uh, portrayed a tragic incident involving the U.S. Right. or the Israeli uh, national team. And um, uh, I wanted to get, I wanted to be like them. And having met uh, some of the the guys I looked up to in that profession, 
over the years has been a joy not only to work with them uh, in this business, but uh, I, I even worked a Monday night football game back in the day when it was Frank, Dandy, Don, and, and Howard. And all I did that night was uh, get coffee. But that particular game, Saints game, Larry Holmes was, had just become heavyweight champ of the world and got a chance to meet him and uh, uh, tried to jab him and realized I better leave him alone because his jab was a lot longer than mine uh, at the time. But uh, this, this business has been fun. I mean, I've enjoyed the opportunities I've, I've had over the years, having worked two different college universities. Uh, where'd, you, where'd you work? Uh, Tulane. I mean, I noticed, from, but I mean, yeah. Right. Uh, and LSU. And uh, Go uh, Dogs. Uh, uh, I don't think I would say that after that whipping we put on you guys at the SEC Championship game. It is signing uh, day, by the uh, way. And I, and I do think uh, t- I think Honey Badger just scored again. Uh, <laughs> uh, a year with the Detroit Lions uh, back in '88 before coming to the Hawks, and uh, been here ever since, and I've had a lot of fun doing so. Are you don't heard, think that uh, I, Steve Holman would uh, let you take a turn in a game or two? Well, you know, back uh, you several years that? ago. Yeah. Uh, Steve invited me to sit in on his broadcast, and we did it for about two years. And I, I did have a lot of fun with it. And, well, FCC rules. Uh, <laughs> did you, did you, did you uh, want to do TV or radio? I wanted to do TV. Uh, Jim Henderson, as a matter of fact, was a guy I, I wanted to work for in the New Orleans area. He worked for WWL in New Orleans. Ironically enough, last night was his last night after, I think, 34 years oh, wow. uh, in the business. And he signed off uh, – uh, from WWL, and I watched the um, last few min- minutes of his broadcast on the plane last night as we were uh, flying back. And go-go is a great thing. I will tell you that. Uh, <laughs> but I was able to watch. Nice, uh, you get some nice shout-outs from Product We get a yeah, sponsor before you know it. Hey, I know how to work it uh, <laughs> as I drink my Coca-Cola. <laughs> We're going to start talking about tires. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it'll save me 380 bucks. We can bring them up, too, Michelin. (laughs) Uh, But uh, it was was kind of melancholy because I grew up watching Jim and guys like that and wanted to work for him. But to see him uh, step down, inevitably it's going to happen with everybody. Uh, But he will remain as the Saints uh, play-by-play announcer and, and will still be close to the New Orleans scene. Uh, but I thought something he said last night was very revealing. He had the opportunity to do uh, CBS NFL, and he said he he just felt like he was detached doing that game mm-hmm. because he wasn't he didn't really have a rooting interest. Uh, he was just there to work. Whereas working uh, and doing Saints game was a passion, and he loved uh, the wins and losses. And I think Steve and guys like that uh, who who broadcast games would say the same thing. While they would certainly love to get the opportunity to do national broadcasts and get that that shine. Uh, being affiliated with a team gets uh, you the opportunity to get closer to the players, get to know them on a daily basis. You're around them on the planes, trains, and automobiles. And uh, you get to know what makes them tick on a daily basis. I don't know if everybody really, no matter how much uh, Marv Albert and, and uh, Kevin Harlan and guys like that do games, I don't know if they fully know uh, Kevin Garnett or uh, Dwight Howard or Kobe Bryant uh LeBron and all the rest, if they know them as well as the local broadcasters get the opportunity to know them. And, and that's not, that's not a, a slam on them. That's what it is. And those guys do a great job at what they do. Um, but the local broadcasters get an opportunity to give the fans a different perspective, and I think that's appreciated. Of all, of all you, I mean, you've had so many players through the years, it would be impossible for you to figure out, you know, some of the favorite guys you dealt with. But – all these different places you've been, all these different things you've seen. I mean, and I know nothing could top seeing Hillary Swank the night before she was on <laughs> And yes, I, just because just I happened to be driving and you and Holman were riding with me, that's, you know. Yeah, and let's get this. Nor there. As a matter of fact, let's get this story straight <laughs> right now. Steve Holman, uh, who is our longtime radio broadcaster, uh, we were in, was it Starbucks? No, we were in uh, Coffee, Bean, and Tea Leaf in okay. uh, Pacific but, Palisades, yeah. I think, or something like that. And uh, her husband, Chad Lowe, walks into the building. And Ex-husband. me. Uh, and that's right, uh, ex-husband. <laughs> and me, we'll get nothing to start. <laughs> me being the uh, magazine guy of the plane uh, and having my people and Entertainment Weekly and us. And uh, 36 yes, other magazines. <laughs> and I'll take free subscriptions to all. Um, uh, obviously, I knew who, who Chad was when he walked in there. And, and I said, I think I mentioned to you guys, I said, I wonder if Hillary Schwank's with him. Yeah, and this was the weekend of the Oscars. And uh, sure enough, as we finished up, she was sitting outside in their convertible Mercedes. And uh, Steve decided to, to try to act the fool that he can be sometimes <laughs> and goes, that's not her. I said, look, man, 
I'm telling you it's her, and I'm going right up there to speak to her. And so, which we did. And we, I said, hello, Miss Wank. Uh, nice to meet you. We're with the Atlanta Hawks uh, from the city of Atlanta, and good luck tomorrow night. as you. She's like, you three guys are with the Hawks? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Manny Moore and Jack, yeah. the pep boy. Um, and so, uh, and she was like, oh, that's so nice. Thank you very much. And soon as she got those words out of her, uh, out of her mouth, Steve decides to try to pull out the camera phone, yeah. and we gave him the look like, put that thing away. <laughs> so naturally, because he didn't know who she was, uh, he decided to try to clown us on the broadcast the next night from the, uh, from the Staples Center and evidently said that, yeah, I knew who uh, we passed Hillary Swank uh, a night ago <laughs> at Pacific Palisades, but unfortunately Arthur Trish and Sekou Smith didn't have any idea who she was. I uh, wanted to drop kick him to, to the forum, but uh, uh, it uh, – Who's, hey, who's, who's been the most impressive person you've met, or to you? Wow. Um, That's what I'm saying. So I, I, I imagine 23 years, it has to be tough to, you know, to yeah. come up with a short list. Well, I was hoping it would have been the president, um, Barack Obama, because we I arranged a trip through um, uh, uh, two years ago for us to visit the White House. And we thought there was going to be a chance that, and he was there uh, that day. Uh, but unfortunately, a lot of policy decisions override the fact that he uh, had a chance to meet the great Atlanta Hawks. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure if he had, if it was the Chicago Bulls, he would have made time for him. <laughs> but um, I would have loved to have met uh, the president because I've, I've had the opportunity to meet uh, George uh, H. Bush uh, when we played in uh, Houston a few times. He was at games. But uh, I would probably, man, that's a hard question. Um, Jerry West was my all-time favorite player. And I remember Man, Jerry. <laughs> 72 <laughs> Olympics, Jerry West. Uh, my first recollection of a sporting event was him hitting that half-court <laughs> shot against the Knicks. And from that point on, I was in love with the logo. And uh, getting the opportunity to meet him uh, was, was a godsend. And I guess uh, uh, there have been, certainly been others. I don't know who would be the – wow. Because um, the athletes, obviously, they don't phase me anymore. I mean, because, I mean, I – was fortunate to come up through this league during the, the best era yeah, ever. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Magic Michael, Larry, at all. But, um, hmm. Maybe I stumped him. Yeah, you stumped me on that Finally. one. Finally. I'll, I'll, I'll have an answer for you before it's all said and done. Well, I mean, David Benner obviously ranks as the, the number 30 PR man. <laughs> in terms of hey, DB, I didn't say that. that. Who does that job the best? <laughs> David Benner in the end is clearly a, a clear-cut number 30. No question about that. I think your picture is coming off of that wall, too. <laughs> where where do you rank in terms of tenure, in terms of how long you've been doing it? So, like, who who else in the league has been a PR director longer than you have? Well, uh, I was the first black PR director in this league, right. uh, which at the time I wasn't happy to hear that. Right. And and the only reason I say that is because I came from the NFL and we had had several African-American PR, mm-hmm. excuse me, PR directors in the league. And – uh, it was 89 when I took this job. I right. mean, the NBA being the makeup that it was, I'd have thought there would have been several. Um, right. uh, that was still that was, that was 20. Yeah, I was starting middle school. Yeah, yeah. Oh, you, you guys are making sure you're going to sit in the hockey press box from now on. We can't uh, get worse seats at the Hawks game. I know. So where else are you going to sit? Us? Where are you going to put us? I think the Georgia Dome 285? Uh, the Georgia Dome may need a tenant here soon. You may be there. Uh but um, when I first came into the league, uh, there were certainly a lot of other veterans who had been around for a number of years who were uh, great guys, did great jobs and uh, over the years. Now it's like I think uh, – I forget who I had this conversation with recently, but I think I'm number five or six on the list mm-hmm. uh, because Jeff Twist has been with the Celtics for almost 30 years or more. Right. Uh, Tim Hallam is in his 30s, uh, years of service, that is. Mm-hmm. Uh, with the Bulls, Julie Fye has been in the league for yeah. a number of years. John Black and I from the Lakers came in at the same time. Mm-hmm. Uh, Harold Kaufman left the uh, the Hornets uh, for a couple of years, but he's now back with them. Um, Am I missing people. somebody? Um, that might be it. Yeah, I mean, I would imagine it's been it's a it's you know you don't have a ton of people who have been around that long in yeah. that position. Um, yeah, we're, I'm fighting off all these youngsters. I mean, it's, uh, <laughs> they ain't taking my spot. Uh, but um, it, it's, I think it speaks to a number of things. A, the fact that we like what we do. Right. Uh, because there's, there are a lot of uh, good things that happen with this job, the opportunity to go to games and sit courtside with, at the best, with the best seats in the house to see what I think are some of the greatest athletes in the world. 
but the opportunity to meet a lot of different people, establish contacts, make relationships, and also do the job that you're, you've been given to do. And because obviously, if you didn't, I wouldn't be here this long. Yeah. And uh, I, I credit uh, guys like Brian McIntyre and uh, uh, Terry Lyons right. and people like that who uh, I've, I got to know when coming into this league, and I looked up as uh, looked up to as mentors and for guidance for uh, things that helped me uh, succeed at this business. And it's funny. Uh, I, I guess the funniest thing that has happened to me on this job, as it relates to today's current PR guys, is that. Uh, B.J. Evans, my counterpart in Charlotte, mentioned to me that uh, I sent him a re- uh, basically a thanks but no thanks letter when he was trying to, <laughs> to apply for a job. And I didn't recall that, but I had to tell him, hey, I got the same thing from Brian McIntyre. So, <laughs> <laughs> so I said, hey, you, you're a great company, I guess. So uh, um, it's you, wh- I think what I try to do with the job nowadays is uh, to serve like a mentor to a lot of, of the uh, younger people coming in. They know – uh, the opportunity is always there for them to call and ask questions if they have any uh, any need for assistance. And I'm sure they'll get that from any of the other veterans around the league because I think the one thing that has hurt us uh, and PR, that's, uh, and I consider it more PR professionals in general uh, with this job over the years, the, the lack of interpersonal communications that goes on nowadays because of email or because of texting or Twitter or what have you. Um, we don't pick up the phone and call and talk to each other nearly as much as we used to. There were times when you'd pop into town and we'd go out to lunch or go out to dinner right. uh, the night before. Time doesn't permit that nearly as much as it used to yeah. and uh, for any number of reasons. And it's, um, it's unfortunate because uh, we don't get an opportunity to see each other in a collective manner often as much as we used to. Uh, right. We used to have league meetings uh, and and those have been few and far between because of the international scope that the NBA has taken on the past uh, decade or more. So generally, All Star is the only time when we kind of see a lot of these people right. uh, or each other, and uh, uh, you get an opportunity to see if uh, how someone's doing. You hope they're doing well professionally as well as personally because. Right. Uh, all-Star is always something that has been near and dear to me because um, I had a nice string of All-Star appearances going there for a while until, mm-hmm. unfortunately, when I uh, had my uh, personal battles with cancer, it caused me to miss the one All-Star game that I wanted to see out of all the years I've been doing this. And being back in uh, New Orleans, it would have been a great opportunity for me to, to go home and, and be on that main stage with yeah. my like my All-Star moment. Right, but unfortunately, right. I was in a hospital bed. But thankfully, thankfully uh, you're here uh, now, yeah, so. I'm doing great. And as a matter of yeah. fact, this February I'll be four years cancer free. Wow! And um, All Star Weekend in 2001, uh-huh. I think, was my favorite Arthur Trish interaction <laughs> of all time. I know where you're going already. <laughs> and and I don't, I'm sure I've told this to Seku, but we were. It was when Matumbo was in the All Star game. Uh-huh. And he, uh, and it was in DC. So he was like doing stuff at Georgetown and running around. And, and I ran into Arthur at breakfast, me and Russ Banks and ran into Arthur at breakfast on Sunday morning. And we were like, where's Matumbo? And Arthur's like, I haven't even seen him in two days. I don't know where he is. He's running all around this town. And all of a sudden right then Matumbo walks in, (laughs) (laughs) comes like just out of nowhere. Matumbo walks into the restaurant and goes, Hey, Trish, you still work for Hawk? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that phrase has stood the test of time <laughs> yes it has yes it has i mean he to this day uh he doesn't call me arthur anymore oh mr vice president how are you doing <laughs> and i'm like yeah dick and Bay, how are you and so uh one of the, one of the great great ambassadors of, of the league and uh great guy who did a lot of uh, great things here in atlanta winning defensive player of the year awards but also doing a lot of great things in the community and yeah. uh, i guess if I had to rank my my favorite Hawks over the years, uh, obviously guys like Dominique uh, and Doc uh, Spud, Kevin Willis from the old days, well, hell, practically everybody on that team from my right, first right. few years here because uh, I, I mean, I was growing up watching a lot of these guys on TBS back right, when they right. had their games on all the time, yeah. and now I'm working with them. And uh, guys in the 90s like Steve Smith, Grant Long, Mookie, uh, you notice I won't miss, mention Christian. Um, what about Jared Ryder? Uh, got it, he and Rasheed got a rank in your who, top five. Who? You know what? I love the fact, and Lang and I had talked about this a while back. Uh, when we had Rasheed, the one thing that stood out for me in that one game against the Nets I was going to say, you played, didn't have him long. So. <laughs> was the, the fact that he up. threw 
a three-quarter court uh, outlet pass to Jason Terry. And it was yep. like I hadn't seen anything like that since yeah. Kevin Willis left the team. And I was like, wow, we need to keep this guy. And uh, next day we get to Miami, he's on his way to Detroit. Uh, so you, you know at the time that he was a, a short short termer there, were you like, yeah, all right, everyone, that's what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah. no, no, everyone did because yeah, he, he wasn't gonna was, be here long. Yeah, it yeah. was common knowledge. Like yeah. that was part of the trade. But I remember I talked to Art on the phone the next day, and he was writing the press release to that Rashid had been traded, and that guy would have put in good night, God bless at the end of the, <laughs> the end of the press release. So yes. when you've been around that long, and you hear people talking all this week about. You know, what's a better dunk, all-time dunk between LeBron jumping over John Lucas and Blake Griffin, you know, stuffing Kendrick Perkins. How hard is it for you to to sit back and not think about 23 years yeah. of experience and go, come well, on, people, calm down? You you, know? you give them – you know the look, the the, the boss in the commercial, uh, the, the <laughs> telephone commercial where the guy didn't get the text and yeah. he said, uh, <laughs> Eric, I didn't think you liked Eric. I like tacos. <laughs> and, the guy, and the guy gives him the look. That's the kind of look I'll give guys yeah. like that because – uh, we were talking about this yesterday, uh, also in the locker room, that the Dominique Wilkins slam over Bob Lanier still ranks as one of the best I've ever seen. Right. Uh, yeah. Let's face it, Bob Lanier is 6'11", 260. And With size 29 yeah. shoes, yeah. And when Dominique hit him and continued to elevate uh, and double pumped in the process, right. I mean, it was that was commonplace for him. Right. I mean, Dominique was dunking on everybody. Jordan was dunking on everybody and, and cats like that, that some of these guys have never heard of before. Yeah. And it's like, go to the videotape, learn well, in the history. Last night, uh, last night, Jason McIntyre, who runs the website, the big lead mm-hmm. put up a post and it was like the best in game dunking on people of all time. And I responded, if Dominique's not on there, I'm not clicking on it. <laughs> and he said, he said, which dunk should I put on there? So then I went on YouTube just last night and I looked at, there was a YouTube video of Dominique's 10 best in-game dunks of all time. And, and I was thinking of that Bob Lanier one, or there's one where he dunked on Larry Bird. Oh, yeah. Where, yeah, where Larry Bird, too. like, ends up covering his head yeah, underneath dunking. the rim and, and collapsing into the baseline. But I watched that video, and, like, almost every one of those dunks were pretty amazing. <laughs> Dominique just dunking all over with, people. With power. I mean, yeah. now, now that's the one thing I'll give uh, Blake Griffin. I haven't seen anybody dunk with that kind of power uh, yeah. since then. And I I thought the funniest dunk wasn't the one on Perkins. It was the one where Kevin Durant was running. He took off out of the <laughs> way. <Yeah. laughs> I mean, he was screaming out of that video. I was like, where is he going? Doesn't he realize there's a game to, left to be played? Uh, but he wanted to make sure that he's not posterizing me. No, uh, and no. so these – That hasn't changed over the 110 years. No. Nobody <laughs> uh, wants to be on a poster. And <laughs> because you will certainly remember of, of the today's players, you'll remember uh, – I see, and there I go. That's what I get. I forgot his name. Uh, the, the motor mouth who wouldn't shut up. He even played with LeBron. Uh, and oh, David getting, Jones. David yeah, Jones. Yeah, yeah. David oh, yeah. Jones got slammed on, and then now it's uh, uh, little John Lucas. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> he didn't even say nothing. He no. got dunked on. <laughs> and so it's uh, it's funny to to see the reactions, and I'm sure that, that's natural. Uh, back in the day, that when Dominique and those cats were dunking on people, they probably had a few uh, who preceded them, but. Uh, uh, like I said, I mentioned to the guys in the locker room yesterday, I said, hey, man, I got a chance to watch Dominique do this every night. And, and while a lot of people want to only claim that Dominique was a dunk, dunker, Dominique did a lot a lot of other things on the floor. Yeah. It wasn't his fault that guys didn't convert on the, the number of passes he made to them. <laughs> uh, but, um, your, your time in this league, Art, predates the, the era of guys leaving from high school mm-hmm. and coming straight into the league. Has that been the biggest shift – for you and that you've noticed, you know, working up close and personal uh, in the league for as long as you have in terms of just the difference in the way things operate, going from guys who have been to college at least a year or two or three, and then you start dealing, like you said, with 18-year-old guys Mm -hmm. and having to indoctrinate them into the league and and make them understand how this works, traveling and all. I mean, has that been the biggest change or has there been something else – that was kind of a league-wide shift mm-hmm. that you that you've noticed in 23 years. That that obviously was the biggest paradigm because while you may have had random guys uh, every five or seven years uh, trying to pull the the move from high school to pro, uh, not until it exploded um, several years back that it really uh, caused everyone to pause because now every team kind of had to deal with it and mm-hmm. and now you're like I said you're you're looking at guys or kids who were your kids coming right. into the league. And 
they didn't have to deal with grown men on a daily basis and uh, outside of their coaches and their teachers and stuff like that. But now you're, you're, you're having to deal with guys who are 30 and 40 years who you dress in the locker room with, share a bus ride, plane ride, what have you, and you're going up against them. And you may be a scrawny 210-pound player, and you're trying to run up against somebody's 250. Uh, they'll put you on the floor in a minute. And it's not like <laughs> not like going up against uh, uh, St. Aloysius uh, <laughs> High School. And so uh, it, it, I think some of the things that we've, we've done as a league in terms of the Players Association and the league itself and trying to educate players on a, on a frequent basis, it's incumbent upon them to pay attention and listen. Yeah. Because if they choose not to take advantage of the tools that are provided to them, that, it's on them. I don't, I don't fault the leagues anymore, not that I ever did. Uh, but you have these discussions with friends. Anytime someone has money issues or family issues or something like that, uh, the first thing out of someone's mouth is that they want to blame the team or the league for the problems of the individual. Well, no, the individual has to accept some responsibility for his or her actions. And if you're not willing to listen to the instruction that's uh, set before you, whether it's a half an hour or an hour out of your day, then don't come crying back to me years later when you've had financial difficulties or you're you're facing hardship and you didn't take advantage of it when it was available to you. And that's the worst thing we can do as a society, not pay attention to when those uh, instructions are being given to you. Don't feel like uh, it's anything wrong with taking instruction from somebody like you. Uh, you can't do that um, because we all had to learn from someone. And uh, I, I value uh, those who uh, help guide me along the way over the years, and hopefully I, I do that with, with those I come in contact as well. All right, Dad. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's a constant battle with you, though. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> well, let's, talk, let's talk general NBA here before uh-huh. we get out of here. But of the teams you've seen this season, which team has been the most impressive to you? Uh, Oklahoma City, obviously. Uh, because they, they've just picked up right where they left off from the playoffs last season. Uh, KD and, and Westbrook and the gang, they, yeah. they are certainly the NBA's deepest team. Uh, you think so? I think, think by so. far they're the deepest? Yeah, I think so. Really? Um, I've been impressed with what Philadelphia has been able to do um, because they certainly weren't expected to uh, – And I, well, I, I wouldn't say they weren't uh, – they may not have been expected. It's not like we had a lot of preseason publications out there <laughs> because uh, because of the yeah. lockout. Uh, it wasn't like uh, anyone was rushing to uh, to rank anybody uh, much uh, prior to the start of the season. But I, I have been impressed with what this uh, Doug has done up uh, in Philadelphia with the Sixers and, and their progress so far. The usual suspects, you had to, to realize they would be right back at the, the front of the, the league again, the Chicago's, the Miami's, uh, what have you. I thought New York would be a little bit better than what – what they've yeah. shown so far, and I, I guess they would probably be uh, one of the biggest disappointments, uh, maybe along with Washington, um, because uh, I, I just thought Washington would play better than it than they have thus far. You know they, I got, will the say, Michael, you know they got the Michael Lee curse going. Oh, yeah, on. They I, do. I, I guess that does figure Come into play. Uh, <laughs> uh, and uh, but I get I, and I, I would be remiss without mentioning our boy Clipper Darrell's favorite team, uh, those <laughs> L.A. Clippers. Uh, the Clippers, uh, they are certainly getting it done. And it's, it's, it's going to be fun to watch that team continue to grow over the years because going from a laughing stock to now they're the toast of the town. Uh, it's, for those of us who work with teams and have endured hardships, I mean, we had our nine-year abyss here in Atlanta, and we've come out of that, thankfully. Uh, but the Clippers have not. They've been second banana to darn near every team in L.A. Right. And uh, to see them get the attention they're getting right now is, is a good thing for the league and it's a good thing for the, the their organization. Yeah. You, uh, I mean, Lang, you know, it's funny. Art, Art is actually, for my, you know, anybody that doesn't like dealing with me every day on a daily basis here in Atlanta, he's, <laughs> he's like basically the reason I'm here. Um, he and Steve Weiss. Who used to work at the uh, AJC and is now working for the NFL Network. They were the two people that convinced me to even come here. Because um, at the time I was, you know, I was covering the Pacers and enjoying it, and I was like, I got a call from this dude one day. He's like, Hey, man, you know, uh, got to talk to you about something. I'm like, Talk to me about what? He's like, You know, what do you think about coming to Atlanta? I was like, I'll be there on Martin Luther King weekend. You know, like, we'll, eat, we'll go to we'll go to dinner and hang out like we always do. Um, but I mean, you over these years, are you've Seen a lot of different guys, Lang, myself, you know, I could run down a list of other friends of ours in the business, Mark Spears, Michael Lee, um, just hundreds and hundreds of guys who have 
started at one place and finished at another. Mm-hmm. Is there a part of you that that looks at the league? You know, we joke about you being, you know, dad, you know, old man or whatever. But is there a part of you that feels connected league-wide like that? Yeah. And is that what kind of uh, keeps keeps you feeling good about your job? Because you do get a chance to really connect with all aspects of the league. Mm-hmm. No, no question. Uh, you, you heard me mention earlier the relationships that you make in this business. And yeah. it's not it's not just a job um, because uh, I consider a lot of the people – I've only had – in terms of beat writers, I've only had one blow up in all my years, whether it's college or pro, with Uh-oh. a beat writer. And I'm not Can even going to name. It? No, we won't mention. Oh, <laughs> uh, and she, as a matter of fact, uh, I'll only say she. Uh, we, I got an email from her yesterday, as a matter of fact. <laughs> you so, know who you are. <laughs> and uh, uh, I think she's going to be at All Star. And we we uh, we certainly patched it up soon after that one little blow up. Right. Uh, but. Uh, I try to, to be as respectful to people as I possibly can and hope that I get the same in return because I know how difficult it is to do uh, the job of a sports reporter. I mean, I was, the, uh, albeit I was the campus editor of uh, the Tulane Hullabaloo back in the day. Uh, <laughs> it's I, called the Hullabaloo? The Hullabaloo. <laughs> Hullabaloo <laughs> Ray Ray. Hullabaloo Ray Ray. Hooray. Hooray. Varsity Varsity T.A. T.A. Tulane. Throwing uh, some beads. Dude, I haven't said that in years. <laughs> I don't know first thing you said that about 44 years. Uh, look, I'm not showing my breasts. Let me throw any beads my way, partner. Uh, <laughs> but um, uh, it, uh, I, I try to make sure that, um, not to pat myself on the back or anything like, like that, but uh, I know we have to straddle the fence as PR professionals because we, we need the media probably more so nowadays than ever before because of the, the lack of what I would consider hardcore media people out there these days with the the advanced uh, uh, world of, of blogs and message boards and Twitter accounts and uh, all the other social media happenings out there. Uh, the, the field has become watered down. Uh, we don't have nearly as many newspapers. When I first came to this town, we had three newspapers. Um, thankfully, there are still some towns who still, New York to, uh, to point out, that still have four and five newspapers. Now, my counterpart with the Knicks, uh, may may hate the fact that he's got to see that many people on a daily basis, <laughs> and my hats off to him because I don't know if I had the temperament to deal with all those guys. Cause I probably would have hit somebody uh, by now. <laughs> but, um, I think, and uh, I think we've all seen the, the the business take a a turn over the past decade or so, and and, and it's and it's come fast and furious. Uh, I mean, with newspapers dwindling and guys losing jobs, having to get for, uh, work find yeah. work elsewhere uh, it's it's fun to see some of you guys move on to uh, other lines of work and advance your careers and much like we do on the team level because uh, like I said not many people have had the opportunity to to get two different uh, and I never envisioned my career turning out this way mm-hmm. of having to, to work for two different uh, major universities and then two different sports leagues and it's right. And I've had a whole and, – and the opportunity to work Olympic Games. I mean, I, right. having worked the Olympics has by far been the best events I've ever mm-hmm. uh, participated with. And I enjoyed every bit of the L.A. Games and the uh, Atlanta Games here in 96. And uh, shy of watching my beloved Saints win the Super Bowl, uh, <laughs> those two events uh, rank uh, right up there with a lot of the things I've been able to do over the years. But it's because I'm a sports fan, I guess, more than anything else. Right. Uh, the long hours, the flying back and forth, the, the games – uh, I love sports. I mean, I was up uh, on this crazy road trip we just had watching uh, the oh, Australian Open. we know. You tweeted, <laughs> you tweeted everybody else up talking about it. Uh, <laughs> uh, Novak Djokovic, I love watching that dude play. And that fifth set he had five. I, it just made you think, what in the heck would I be doing for five hours, yeah. uh, let alone playing a sport? And yeah. uh, maybe back when I was – 15 and playing on the playground, uh, I'd, I'd do it. But nowadays, I wouldn't do anything five hours outside of sitting at my desk working. <laughs> uh, but um, uh, I, I, I love sports. I love everything about it. And uh, naturally, there are times when we have to deal with the uh, the dirty aspect of sports. And from a crisis management situation, thankfully, I haven't had to deal with much of that in my years here. Yeah. We may have had some temperamental athletes uh, from time to time, but I haven't had to deal with some of the – uh, turmoil that some other teams have had to deal with over the years. I think I know how to deal with it right. and that I've had the experience to to get us through some of those uh, landmines. But once again, 
you only hope that you instill within these players the the best principles that you possibly can and that their parents have done uh, just as equal of a job with them. Because it's like I told Deion Glover when he first came to, to the Hawks uh, years ago. I said, dude, one of the things you have to always remember, uh, you don't have to ever worry about embarrassing the organization uh, or the team if you don't want to embarrass your parents. Right. Because those are the people who you have to look in the eye when you've done something wrong more than anybody else. It doesn't right. matter what uh, I say or uh, anybody in the media says, but if you got to look your mother or father in the eye and you realize you've done something that brought some shame and hurt to them, that's t- that's a tough one to deal with. Yeah. And that's for each and every one of us. So that's my uh, That's your 152 cents? <laughs> 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 no, I'm, we, I'm just surprised we haven't had a chance to talk uh, any football recruiting. Don't yet, worry, we've been keeping Lang. Is, oh, I've got my eye on it. Lang has got watching. he's got one eye on the uh, signing day updates. Oh, so he, he, better, he better keep his eye on it because yeah. after that shellacking we put on Georgia at the <laughs> SEC championship game, I, under, I understand the LSU's had some trouble recruiting because they couldn't get past the 50 yard line. In the <laughs> You've been waiting all show to use that up. <laughs> they couldn't get her out of the area. They pick up you, you guys. You don't know how much it hurt me that week of uh of oh, yes, college we and do. pro football Good yeah we do as a matter, Lord, as a matter was, of fact we do uh, <laughs> i mean i'm I, I wouldn't go to the extent of shooting somebody like my man did here in atlanta but boy it was painful uh i'm, I'm <laughs> never going to jail for any of my sports team that's let's get that straight but uh it certainly hurt i mean that saints loss all i could all i've been saying is 90 seconds 90 seconds <laughs> and i know Without a doubt, that Breezy was taking us to the Super Bowl again, and uh, so you're saying it was poor clock management by the Saints. I know it wasn't poor clock <laughs> management; it was poor defense. Poor defense. Let's, let's just say I had to see one particular defensive back's jersey more than his name more than I wanted to, and he was chasing <laughs> Vernon Davis all day long. But. I mean, Lang, I'm, that that brings up a, a, an interesting final point for me, and, and we certainly have been enjoyed. This time talking with Arthur Trish, Vice President of uh, Public Relations for the Atlanta Hawks, good friend of the program, good friend of of all of ours here. Every every one of us has a team that we root for. That's a that's something that's close to the heart. Be you know, prior I don't Lang, it might be different for you, but prior to you working in the league, Art, prior to me ever setting foot, you know, in an NBA locker room, I had a team. I root for mm-hmm. Michigan, so I have a team that I root for. It's close to my heart. Is that weird for you having a, a a job for as long as you had in this business, but having a passion outside of this job for another sport or mm-hmm. another sport team? And uh, is that strange at all for you to to reconcile those things? Because I know I do. I've always had to argue, you know, with the seasons. Even mm-hmm. like during the during college football season, everybody knows. Leave me alone on Saturdays mm-hmm. whenever Michigan's on, because you know I don't want to talk. Mm-hmm. I mean, for you. And then being in Atlanta, mm-hmm. of all places, and being a Saints fan, that's got to be kind of a weird. You no, know. it's not weird. It's fantastic. It's awesome. <laughs> it is so fun being a Saints fan in Atlanta. It wasn't. It wasn't for about twenty-five years. Yeah. Though. <laughs> I, I wasn't here then. It oh. was worth it. The wait. Uh, it, no, it's a. I I know it must be, uh, the the most underrated rivalry in sports, in my opinion, is the Atlanta Falcons New Orleans Saints football mm-hmm. rivalry. And they can talk about Redskins, uh, Cowboys, Giants, Cowboys, uh, all they want. Yankees, uh, Red Sox. The Saints and Falcons are just as fierce than those teams. Mm-hmm. And the reason being, the cities are in such close proximity to, and where you can go and have a good time. Right. And it's not the big hustle and bustle of like a New York City or a Boston. And where, the, where I think people are much more passionate down south with their sports teams anyway. Yeah. Uh, but, um, I mean, I, as I have to tell my Falcons friends all the time, I said, I don't hate the Falcons as a franchise over the course of six, a 16-game season. It's just two games out of the year that right, y'all get right. on my nerves, and I'm sure I get on yours. <laughs> uh, but I, And I said, uh, I have to in this town because there's just too many of you. <laughs> and um, I, wear my, I wear my same stuff proudly, uh, but it's it's – we went through a year. We created the bags, right. uh, bag wearing. <laughs> Buddy Diliberto, the former, uh, the late WDSU uh, sports uh, director in New Orleans, was the one who, who coined the phrase that uh, this team is so bad to watch, we ought to wear bags when we look at them on a daily basis. And so now everybody does it. 
I mean, I saw the Lions. My, I worked for the Lions. And I and when they went 0-16, I saw people uh, going to Lions games and decorated bags and what have you. But it's uh, – I. We can't, as professionals in this business, we can't cheer. Right. So we have to try to act as uh, coolly and calmly as we can. Although, the other night when Joe hit that shot in Detroit. Yeah, I heard about you. Uh, I, I must have had too many Tiger <laughs> fist pumps. Because <but laughs> one of the Pistons PR uh, uh, individuals saw me. And Michelle looked, and she just started cracking up. And I was like, I'm sorry. I wasn't supposed to do that. <laughs> and uh, football is where I can let it loose, uh, right, whether yeah, it's college right. or pro. Unfortunately, my, my alma mater stinks. Uh, and right. so I don't get a chance to cheer for the Green Wave much because everybody says, you act like you, you went to LSU. And no, I didn't. But from a professional standpoint, going to LSU was the best move I ever made. Right, and right. I don't know if I'd be sitting here talking to you guys or having gone on in this business the way I have if I hadn't made the move to, to LSU. And right. it will always mean a great deal to me. But I, I love turning it loose during football season. And when the season comes to a close on Sunday, my attention is right on the NFL draft, right. wondering who we're going to get uh, from a Saints perspective. And the fact that New Orleans hosts the Super Bowl next year, let's hope we can do what the Cowboys couldn't do a year ago. <laughs> and, uh, well, you obviously put a lot of time into cheering for the Saints and – not nearly as much time into preparing for fantasy football. <laughs> <laughs> I'm shutting up because I didn't. I didn't fare so well either. So I'm leaving that one alone. Although, although uh, I did uh, score yeah. victories over both of y'all this yeah. season, didn't uh, I? Yeah, yeah, unfortunately, did. I think your first victory came against me. Uh, <laughs> Cajun Cajun Jambalaya was heartbroken. <laughs> <laughs> I have feasted on Cajun Jambalaya. The yeah. years. Yes, I've had. I've sucked my fingers after uh, roasting them a time or two. Uh, but see, that's that's what I mean. We, uh, the three of us. Uh, our boy Mark Spears, Mike Wells, we all can get together and and talk. People might think all we're talking about is basketball all the time. No, we're clowning each other no matter what uh, as it relates to sports, politics, what's going on Life, with our yeah, families, yeah. anything. And we, while we may clown and have a good time when we're around each other, we can also be serious too and be confidants to each other. And yeah. I think that's, that's what I cherish more than anything else. I mean, uh, the friendship – that uh, we all have gained throughout uh, being in this business uh, is something uh, I'll never forget, no matter how long I do it. And how and uh, it's uh, it keeps me going. I mean, it kept me going when I was going through uh, my two different uh, bouts with cancer because while I may not have uh, told everyone at the time what I was going through, uh, I knew if I picked up the phone and needed to talk to somebody, yeah. uh, you guys were there. And working around sports took my mind off of it. I mean, I, yeah. was, I mean, I sat next to Sekou a lot of those nights having gone through a, a five-hour chemo session and may have dozed off sitting at the table uh, because of it. Um, but I knew for three hours of that day, I didn't have to think about uh, the drip or how the cancer was progressing, if at all, uh, or when I had to go to see the doctor yet again or how much closer I was to having surgery. And that's why because I had ap- jokes. Uh, yeah, I mean, we kept it real. Well, we needed to have jokes because the team was getting smashed back then. Uh, but, um, uh, and that's why uh, with Sunday's game, uh, as much as I love Tom Brady, uh, I got to root for the Giants this week. And the, oh, reason, wow. the reason being uh, Mark Hertzlick's. Right, uh, right. He had a tweet the other day that just yeah. struck a chord with me when he said two years ago, uh, I didn't even know if I would be walking again, let alone walking down the plane uh, to set foot in Indianapolis to play uh, in the Super Bowl. And cancer survivors stick together. So right. I'm riding with the Giants this week. And um, it does help that Eli's from New Orleans. So I'd have a little bit of a tug there. Yeah, because uh, uh, I did get the opportunity to meet Archie uh, <laughs> this past weekend. So that, that was great. Uh, I made sure, even though the Saints didn't make it to the Super Bowl, we had three nights in New Orleans. And I made sure I was in the Super Bowl. Uh, <laughs> but uh, it's uh, sports is sports is a, a it brings a smile to my face, despite some of the, the highs and the lows. You try never to get too high when you win and too low when you lose, and you just hope at the end of the day that you just have fun with it. That's it, sir. I'll, I'll speak for Seku, too, and I think he and I both have the same sort of relationship with you where, you know, we're, we're friends, we're personally friends. I mean, you came oh, to my wedding. You, but, you, but we also, I mean, there have been times where you've been mad at either one of us for stuff we've written. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I know how you and I, you and I didn't get off to the, the best start uh, years ago, back when you were doing your your blog thing, yeah, yeah. and and I didn't really know you, 
And I was like, who is this clown? <laughs> and, and, and I think and then I sent him an email. I sent him an email, and he responded in all caps. And I was like, <laughs> I wrote back. I said, why are you yelling at yeah. me? You are an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and, and, but once we got an opportunity to sit down and, and, and chat, and, and I saw how passionate you were regarding the team and this, that, and the other, um, it was we just didn't have the opportunity to talk. And I think that's what's lacking in this country nowadays. I mean, everybody, all they want to do is scream. And maybe I was screaming with that email that I sent oh, yeah, you that were. day. Uh, we got the opportunity to talk, and we've been lifelong buds ever since. And so I think you didn't. I just think you didn't know how to turn off the caps lock. <laughs> <laughs> it was that dang. It was that pesky computer. He had been, he had I mean, been using to, something else before that. <laughs> to be fair, this was like '98, '99. <laughs> email was pretty new. At exactly. That time. He had no <laughs> idea what he was doing. Like, what is this dang <laughs> computer? Like, a Maybe. long time ago. Yeah, look, yeah man. Uh, I'm not at. Uh, I, uh, I guess I, I wanted to say I'm not adverse to change, but I guess I wasn't ready for that. Yeah, yet. you wasn't ready for all that technology. <laughs> well, we listen. We'll talk to you anytime. Uh, we promise. Yeah, this was fun. This we was promise we were going to talk Hawks today. We did talk Hawks. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, good luck to y'all and, the rest of the season. And if any Hawks fans still have the opportunity to vote, uh, we still have. Uh, yeah. I believe we still have time to, have to get some hours. ballots in. Uh, Joe Johnson, Josh Smith, Al Horford, who obviously there, won't be able to play. Uh, and Jeff Teague are on the ballot. Uh, I, I did get a neat, uh, text or a tweet the other night from uh, a fake Ivan Johnson site <laughs> saying we should get him in the uh, rookie-sophomore game. I don't know if the world's ready for that. The but, oldest uh, living rookie. Um, but we'll see how that goes over the next few weeks because I know course. when we get down to Orlando, it's on. <laughs> well, we gotta get, we got to get out of here, but uh, there's not enough time on the Hang Time podcast to – to cut it up with Arthur Trish at the Atlanta Hawks, Vice President of Public Relations. Our guy, you know, uh, we, we got mad love for you for showing up in the studio here, hanging out with us today. Appreciate that, fellas. At least it took my mind off of that blasted car of mine. So uh, <laughs> I, guess the, the, I guess the day will be better from this point we're gonna, on. Uh, we're we'll gonna see. Toast, we're going to toast some champipple to you tonight. Exactly. Exactly. And would I be sure that this. <laughs> hey, hey, and don't speak too soon about the car now. You know they hadn't called you back yet. <laughs> Mr. Trish, we want to let you know. Well, then they, they give me the loan and say, we just want to make sure you're not going to leave uh, the city limits today. I said, well, if I want to go to Florida, I'm going to Florida. Yeah, let's roll. <laughs> let's get out of here. Got a tank of gas. You know, let's get out of here. All right, fellas. Well, listen, we appreciate it. We will definitely see you next time on the Hang Time Podcast. For Arthur Trish at Atlanta Hawks, Lang Whitaker, Jarrell, and Micah Hart in the uh, – in case glass there, <laughs> far away from us to make sure they're safe. <laughs> is he? Uh, by the way, is he alive over there? I know you told me he was a Peyton Manning fan. Yeah, he's over there. Jarrell is over. He's licking his wounds. <laughs> Just remember, Tracy Porter. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see you next time on the Hang Time Podcast. Peace. Later. Thanks for listening to the Hang Time Podcast. To download more episodes of the show, visit the iTunes Music Store. Be sure to check out the Hangtime blog on NBA.com. And for more of Lang, visit SlamOnline.com. You can follow Seku and Lang on Twitter at SekuSmithNBA and Lang with it. The Smyrna Spartans have yet to get on Twitter, but we'll let you know when they do. An epic matchup between your two favorite teams, and you're at the game getting the most from what it means to be here with American Express. You breeze through the card member entrance... Stop by the lounge. Now it's almost tip-off, and everyone's already on their feet. This is going to be good. See how to elevate your live sports experience at AmericanExpress.com slash with Amex. Don't live life without it. Eligible American Express card required. Benefits vary by card and by venue. Terms apply.